This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 116, 10 Ways to Feel Peace When Everything Seems to Be Falling Apart, part two. Hey guys, welcome back. This is actually part two of the topic, 10 ways to feel peace when everything seems to be falling apart. So be sure to listen to episode 115 first. And with that said, here are five more ways that you can feel that peace. All right, Beck, we're going to just pick up right where we left off with number six. Love it. Okay. I love this one because I know that the Lord loves effort. The Lord loves effort. He loves it when we try. Isn't that great? That was my favorite part of my report card as a child. Like it would be like, you know, the actual grade, but then it was like your effort grade. And the effort grade was always, I wish they still did that because, well, my kid's school doesn't do that. I wish they did because honestly, what more can you ask for, but just an honest effort, right? Like that is what matters. Well, I can tell you this. God does not expect us to be perfect in this life. Well, that's because that's impossible. Literally impossible. And also not the plan. Not the plan. Also a lie from Satan. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Perfection is a lie from Satan. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. It is. It is totally lies. And so the theme that the Lord does love, though, is effort. And I believe that if you are listening to this podcast, you are absolutely a human of lots of effort. Eight. You're already there. Guys, you're doing it. But, you know, because this episode or this podcast in general is all about kind of a little more that we can do to be mm-hmm. a little better, right? That's kind of the effort yeah. part. I've got a couple of things I want to share again from general conference, which I referenced in the last episode. Make sure you listen to that one first and you'll get all the context, but W Christopher Waddell, um, his Saturday afternoon talk is called there was bread. And he reminds us that the Lord expects, expects us to do what we can do. And when we can do it, he will magnify our simple, but consistent efforts. But the most important thing is to just begin. He Mm. also reminds us, sorry, I'll just finish this one last little thing that action is acting on faith and that we can face better or we can better face challenges with increased confidence. Yes. What's your thought? Well, it reminds me of movement before motivation, right? Like sometimes, well, I wouldn't say sometimes every single time in my life, um, that I have been asked or I felt guided and directed to do something that made no sense or was scary or whatever. It always, it always included a step off the edge of a cliff in faith. Right. And, and those things have become the, the turning points, the hinge points in my life for decisions that we made that created other things and other possibilities, like creating the impossible, like you were saying before, um, or creating the un, uh, unimaginable. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. That needs to be on a pillow or something. <laughs> um, creating the unimaginable. And it's just such a true thing. Like it just is true. We, we, you've heard us say it in a million different ways. And this is another articulation of exactly what we're talking about. Yep. Like you have to act. You have to act. And, and you have to act on faith because you and I don't know where this is going to go, right? When we take action. And we that's don't... why it's faith. We're not yeah. supposed to know. Yeah, exactly. We use all of our best efforts. So this this uh, whole thought about effort, one of my favorite scripture stories is called The Widow's Might. Mm-hmm. Tell and us about it. It is, in fact, 
I really want to make jewelry. I haven't even told you this about like the widow's might, because it reminds me again and again that like, we're only asked to give our very best. We're only asked to give what we have to give. And, and in this story, um, there's a woman who's very, very poor and lots of other people and they're giving their tithes and offerings and, you know, people are giving a lot of money and this very, very poor woman gives, you know, a widow's mite, a mite, which was a, I don't know, measurement of money a or very whatever. small, measurement. very small amount. Yeah. And, and one of the priests there kind of slapped it away and said, no, like how, how would you even, that is insulting to the Lord to even give him that small amount. And, and then these people were taught her tiny bit means more than all the rest of you have to give because she is giving every single thing she has. Mm-hmm. And that offering is, is more means more is more um, than the offerings we're giving. And it just reminds me because there have been times in my life where my widow's might has been getting out of bed and getting showered and getting my kids taken care of. Totally. And that was it. That was mm-hmm. all I had. And I gave it with my whole heart. And there have been times where I probably could have given more and gave what was comfortable mm. instead. And that the whole that whole visual of widow's might is just so it's so empowering to me because it makes me remember that I am not expected to do more than I can do, that that never was the plan, and that when I give my my effort, it is enough. It is enough for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it takes me outside of that place where I'm like, I got to do more. I got to be more. I have to give more. I have to, you know, takes you out of that place. Well, and that's why I love what Waddell said when he mentioned that the Lord will magnify our simple but consistent efforts. Consistency is uh, a beautiful principle when we are more consistent in our efforts. Now, like you said, some days that means getting out of bed and getting your kids stressed and making sure that everyone's fed. Like that is your, that is your widow's might that day. That is your best consistently. That's that day. What's the next day. It might mm-hmm. look like something entirely different because you ran a fundraiser that blessed some sort of, you know, nonprofit, like whatever. And so like all of the efforts are so, so, so important and consistency is beautiful. And the day that you get out of bed doesn't mean less to the Lord. That's than right. the day that you did whatever huge thing. That's right. Like it is all acceptable to him. Absolutely. And along those same lines, Becky Craven, one of my other favorite um, leaders and speakers, she's amazing. She had a talk during the women's session called Keep the Change. And she added to this concept, um, you know, in terms of the Lord loving effort, that change is a lifelong process. We know this, you guys. If, if we don't evolve, we die. And there's no finish line. There's no, no, there's no like, nope. you've arrived. Congratulations. Nope. Or like we talked about in the last episode, um, the current challenge that you're in is not your, your finish Forever. line either. Yeah, yeah, like totally. it's just not, it's the same idea. But she said something that really, um, really touched me. She said, every time we mess up, we're not starting over, right? But rather, we're building upon our previous experiences. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. If you haven't heard the last episode, again, you really should go back. But I gave yeah. the context that I'm not giving actual exact word-for-word quotes because I didn't have the time to look up all of the wording because this all just came from General Conference in the first weekend of October 2020. Um, but that paraphr- paraphrased for me reminds me that every time I mess up and I mess up, all the time, mm-hmm. every day messing up. Cause it's a necessary part of learning. Yeah. Just well, saying it's being human. Like we are mm-hmm. going to mess up, but you know how sometimes, okay, Beck, I'm going to, I'm going to give an example that you absolutely, absolutely will understand. Have okay. you ever had the Monday that circles around and you're like, okay, today's the day 
that I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to eat better starting oh, yeah. today. Like it's kind of like, okay, here I, I'm going to start over. I'm going to start fresh. I never thought of this until she put it that way. I'm like, well, no, hold on. We're, wait, stop everybody. Calm down. You're not actually starting over at all with any of this. Mm-hmm. You are building upon what you've already learned and experienced, where you've already messed up, where you've already grown. Isn't that beautiful? Like let's not Let's not eliminate and negate past experiences. What a waste to not factor all of that in. Right. Yeah. And also, like, I mean, think about what that does. When you're feeling like the Mondays and you're like, yes, it's, I mean, I think January 1st is another popular, like, benchmark or whatever. It's fine. Right? Like, and, and it's good to have goals and recommit. But at the same time, like, if you're always waiting for that, essentially, because you cannot be perfect at anything because you're a human being and not a robot. That's thank right. goodness. Yep. You're never like realizing what you're actually accomplishing. Mm-hmm. And actually it kind of is a really weird form of self-sabotage mm. because you know, you can't be perfect. Right. You know, starting Monday, you can't become gluten-free paleo organic <laughs> workout, run a marathon next. Like that is not like we put ourselves up, but it almost is like this really weird form of self-sabotage mm. because sometimes I think we get, a, we get afraid of allowing ourselves to see and build upon. Yeah. Like it really becomes fearful. I don't know. Yeah. It becomes a really weird situation. Yeah. So don't self-sabotage. Don't do, not do that. That feels like a wrong choice. It, it does feel like Just a wrong saying. choice. And it feels like another one of Satan's tactics, if I'm being honest. I was going to say it, but I thought, am I overdoing it with the Satan? No. So I'm guys, really glad you said it. If you missed it in the last episode, we're going there. Guys, we we got to acknowledge his role in this. Satan like, is so crafty. He yeah. is not going to get me to like sit around and, okay, let's just take, I'm just going to say, take it to dieting because I feel like the Monday is like, that is what, sure, whatever. Go there. Which I really hate. But so he's not going to get me to sit around and eat candy bars all day because then I'm going to feel like crap and I'm going to throw up. Like that's not going to happen because I'm not like unintelligent. Like mm-hmm. I understand that that's horrible mm-hmm. and will make me feel bad. What's he going to do? He's going to make me feel bad and not notice that like I had my green smoothie and then that because that's healthy for my body and then he's going to keep me so fixated on this perfection ideal of nutrition that A is probably not healthy and B doesn't even exist that I won't even feel good about the stuff I am doing which is not going to make me go eat 15 candy bars cuz again that makes me feel like crap but what it will do is it will keep me in a place of like not self-loathing but like unsettledness like, yeah, well, I had that, but I too. need to be better, Sure, but I need to be better. Mm-hmm. It's that delaying feeling good about your, your efforts with your health until perfection is reached, which essentially keeps you from delaying gratification, happiness, fulfillment, all these wonderful things until you have perfection, which you can never reach. The thing is those feelings of like, good for me, I did that. Our 5k for once, once a week for a year is a prime example of that. It is those little steps that actually breed your momentum. Yep. That's right. So he wants to keep you out of momentum mm-hmm. cause mm-hmm. then you're miserable. Well, and he wants you to feel like you're not succeeding. Correct. Yep. And all the things. And, and if I may. Dang it. What a stinker, man. Well, he's just a loser. And he's right? crafty. We have got to look and and it's and it really is as simple as and people laugh at me like again if you feel bad about yourself if you feel diminished it's him the end i'm glad you said that because what i was going to offer was a thought based on the example you gave that's not the same tactic that he's using with someone else totally it's not the tactic that he uses with me perfectionism with that kind of thing that's mm-hmm. not where he gets me he gets me with perfectionism in other ways right right so what I might invite you, the listener, to consider 
is that when it comes to understanding that the Lord loves effort and Satan wants to kind of like tear all Make that down. Make you think your effort sucks or is not enough. Exactly. Pay close attention to where you are feeling frustrated, defeated, insufficient. Pay attention to where those feelings, when they come up and what they look like. Know the source. Know that they're not from God. Identify and be like, uh, hey, yo, Satan, you don't belong here. Like a- acknowledge where he's planting those bad seeds. And you gotta like know where it is and what it looks call like. Call it out. Call and then you out. stand in front of the mirror and you say, not today, Satan. That's right. Not today. That's right. And then after you say that, you say a prayer to Heavenly Father to help you. Yep. To help you recognize and understand when Satan is trying to absolutely trying to make you miserable. Wow, we got really passionate with that one. I, you guys, you guys, this topic of Satan really sets my soul. Well, the topic ablaze. is about the Lord and how He loves effort. <laughs> yeah, but really, but Satan, because who's... I refuse to be afraid of Satan. I refuse. Yep. Because I, I am not, I was not created for that. And I refuse to live my life in fear of someone who has no control over me unless I allow it. Well, here's the thing. The entire topic that we're addressing in the last episode and this one is centered on peace. So we have to understand Satan's role is to destroy our peace and to keep us from feeling peace. So even if that means that's why he's in the conversation, tiny minutes of unsettle. Even if that doesn't mean you're not in self-loathing, but you're in slight Mm -hmm. self-doubt. And that, those little degrees off is where Satan, I think, operates the most frequently. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And that's why, you know, it pulls perfectly into the last thing I wanted to mention is how our efforts don't have to be grand. They really don't. It's those small, teeny little degrees. That's where he can get you. And that's where you can soar through the Lord and through his help is by those little teeny little decisions every single day. Ready for number seven? Ready. All right. This one is actually probably my shortest and sweetest one. I don't even have stories to go with this. It's just such a sweet reminder. Something that I love. Number seven is to create places of security. Russell M. Nelson in his women's session talk called Embrace the Future with Faith. He exhorted us, if you will, to create places of security and gave the example of home. And speaking of Satan, if we make our home a place of peace and love and refuge, then this is literally the first line of defense. Mm-hmm. And when I hear the word defense, and now that that's my word and I'm summarizing President Nelson, that's not his word. Um, Yes, he did say first line of defense, but what I think of is we're at war. You think about offense and defense, then you're either like in a sports, sporting activity, a game, or you're at war and we're constantly at war with Satan. That's why we don't have to fear him because we're like, dude, we know what you're up to. Right. And we're not going to have that fear. Well, when I think about all of the the games that he wants to play with my mind and in, in my heart and with my family, I better make my home a place of defense. How do I do that? By making sure that it is truly a place of peace and love and safety that anyone who enters our home feels that refuge and feels like they are safe, that they can be who they are and loved fully no matter where, where they are in life. And can I offer a thought about home, please? I think that one of the most effective things we can do to create homes of sanctuary 
is to make our home about the collective and not about the individual. I think what do you of, mean? I think oftentimes as women, we have a tendency to subconsciously make our homes a reflection of us, hmm. right? Like we want everything to be maybe perfectly decorated or perfectly curated. I or, can see that, yeah. Or if our kids are fighting, then it becomes about us and our failure to create that. But really our homes are not about us. Our homes are about the collective experience of everyone who lives there. And so when, if you find yourself in a place where you're feeling like your home is not that, I invite you to take a step back and be like, is this about the collective or is this really about me? Mm. Like clean up your thoughts about your home because we're talking about a collective. Yeah. And your home can be a place of refuge, refuge for you and no one else. And that is not what we're talking about. We want it to be a place where everyone can gather safely. Mm. So really just check yourselves on those thoughts. Beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. I'm going to go on to number eight. I'm so proud of us that we got through one a little know. on the shorter side. Okay. <laughs> I mean, not that we want to pare down on any of these because they're all so good. Well, let's so be important. honest. We could talk for 17 years about all of them. All of them. Okay. But give, we me, won't. give me eight. <laughs> give me Ocho. You ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Redouble our efforts to pray. Oh, I loved, loved, Kate, loved let's this remember one. what we're even talking about here. Peace. Mm-hmm. If you want greater peace, now we're not, okay, let me back up. We, Becky and I both, who happen to share a similar faith in Jesus Christ, we are Christian through and through. That is our belief, and that's where we come from, right? But we are not suggesting that you need to have that same faith. We're not trying to force anyone to believe the way that we believe. But because a lot of you listening do believe in God or a higher power of some kind, and you may believe in prayer, we ask you to consider how long has it been? Has it been a minute? And if it has, that's okay, because guess what? God never left your side, and he's so ready and waiting and willing to just pour things out to you the moment you decide to turn back to him Mm -hmm. or turn to him for the first time. Right. So regardless of how you think you're doing in life and where you stand in his eyes, we're here to squash any belief that you're not worthy of his attention because he's already there. He knows you. He loves you. He wants to be involved in your life. So now let's go back to the principle, which is redoubling our efforts to pray. In General Conference, M. Russell Ballard in his Sunday morning talk called Watch Ye Therefore and Pray Always said, please pray exercise your faith. And he's, he, and he was calling upon everybody, you guys, everybody of every faith of any kind. He's asking us, pleading with us, pray for your country and its leaders. We need divine inspiration desperately right now. We need peace. And the best way to have more peace, you guys, is if people turn their hearts to God. He adds that we need to petition heavenly help prayers. That's the dang truth, by the way. Mm-hmm. We need heavenly help for you guys. Prayer will lift us and draw us together. Pray for opportunities to serve one another. And then always my favorite part, act on that. What are Love your thoughts? It. I think is as a collective humankind, we need to stop placing boundaries on what it means to pray. Oh, I'm so glad you went there. Because I think sometimes we get very precious or we get overly concerned with offending God to the point where we just don't do anything because we're not in a perfect situation or we feel like it's disrespectful or maybe our language isn't formal enough. 
can I just boldly say, I don't think he cares about any of that as the first first order of business. Agree. You know what I think he does care deeply about? What? That you open your mouth and you say something. Yep. And whether your prayers are happening while you're driving and you're having a conversation with Heavenly Father the same way you'd have a conversation with anyone else, or if you're on your knees, or if you're in the shower, or I think it's more about having that ongoing conversation Mm -hmm. with God. Yeah. And that doesn't need to happen at a prescribed place. Or in a prescribed way. Totally. There's not a right or wrong way to pray. There's not a specific language you have to use for him to hear you. It's not like he won't understand. I mean, guys, you can just go full-blown gibberish. Because I think that notion of offending God, I think a lot of us are very concerned about that. Like we question ourselves like, oh, is this enough? Is this good enough for God? Satan. Because if he can make us feel like our efforts would offend God... It keeps us silent, mm-hmm. right? That goes to that diminishing. Yep. That's Satan. A hundred percent. What we need is to be having that ongoing conversation. And so can we just throw off the boundaries of what it means to pray and just open our mouths? Yep. That's it. So if you've never spoken to God before, what about saying in a prayer that's like, hey, I don't even know if I'm talking to anyone or if you're even there, but I'm feeling like things are not going so well on the ground here and this feels like a good reach out. Like that's a prayer. <laughs> that's a wonderful prayer. Do you know actually. what I'm saying? Like you, <laughs> really good. you don't have to profess to know or feel things you don't. Like yeah. I believe Heavenly Father's greatest desire is for us to have open, authentic, vulnerable conversation. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Some of those prayers can be laced with questions. Ask all your questions. Don't expect that everything is going to be answered in that moment. Well, but that would do be ex- fantastic. Do expect but no. something. I think it's great to go into prayer with expectations that he's there, whether you, whether you feel it or not, he just is. That's just a truth. Right. But some of your prayers can be unloading all of your questions. Some of your prayers could be not questions at all. And it's just you venting. Just tell him all the things. Tell him why you're angry. Tell him where you're scared. Tell him your fears. Tell him you're grateful. Tell him whatever rattles off your mouth. And then some of it's not questions or venting. Some of it's just like, I... I just, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm at a total loss of what to think and how to feel. And as we said in the last episode, we would encourage you if, if nothing else comes to mind, I'm sure you've got lots of things to come to mind when you want to talk to God, but ask him how he feels about you. If nothing else, and you pray today and offer a simple prayer that takes about 15 seconds, maybe just ask him to let you know throughout the day, give you little thoughts or insights about how he feels about you. That's a prayer. You guys, there is no wrong way to pray. I would say the only incorrect prayer is the one that doesn't happen. Ooh. Okay. Time to move on to the next point. (laughs) Nailed it. Drop that mic, sister. Well done. Point number nine is to be careful about being myopic. Oh, myopic. This was a big buzzword. Big one. Yeah. Right? Myopic. Wait, what? It's cute because we were watching general conferences of family. And when Russell M. Nelson brought up this word, David looks at me and he goes, That means nearsighted. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my smarty pants husband. Like, of course he knows what that means. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't until he said it. Yeah, I didn't. I, you know, of course there were a hundred people, well, a hundred thousand people probably Googling it as soon as he said it, but, mm-hmm. um, hopefully they stayed focused. Myopic means nearsighted. And he shared an experience. He shared a story about his granddaughter-in-law and what she was struggling with. And she, her, her dad was dying and she was really struggling with her eternal perspective. She was struggling with this loss that she was experiencing and, 
And the word that came to his mind was myopic. And at first she's like, what? <laughs> that feels harsh. That feels yeah. a little rough. Yeah. And she, the more she thought about it, she learned to stop, to think, to heal. And he said, it helps you to expand your perspective and seek the eternal. This is what leads to God. Mm-hmm. And then President Nelson asked a series of questions. And by the way, what I'm talking about here with bringing up myopic, being myopic, ties back to the first thing I brought up in the last episode, which is about keeping an eternal perspective, being optimistic, yes. right? This is kind of a, a good hand-in-hand kind of principle here. But President Nelson asked a series of questions that I am going to write down and look at every day for a while. It's something small that for me, I want to do this because Mm -hmm. I can't even remember how many, probably a half a dozen or less. Yeah. The only question I'm going to bring up here that he invites us to ask ourselves is, will I allowed, will I allowed God's voice to take priority in my own life over any other? Mm. So when it comes to being nearsighted or myopic versus having an eternal perspective, there's no way that I can have peace in my life if I let the influence of everything and everyone else influence me over my heavenly father's influence. That question pierces me and keeps Mm -hmm. me in check. And that's why I want to look at the question every single day. Amen and hallelujah. Because, well, interesting too, another definition for the word myopic is unimaginative. which goes back to President Eyring's to Mm. expect the unimaginable. I think it was Uchtdorf. Yes. Uchtdorf. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Maybe right. I think so. But Mm -hmm. thinking about that, expecting the unimaginable, Mm. it's really surrendering to understand that you don't know the end from the beginning, but that you possess the insight and tools and faith and confidence to move forward without knowing the end from the beginning. You know why you possess all of that? Because you're literally a child of a loving heavenly father. And by the way, we all are. That's right. Duh. That's every single person. Every single person. Whether or not you realize it. Yep. There's a great quote and I'm going to butcher it, but it talks about, I don't even remember who it's from, but it talks about that we have the evidence of divinity within our DNA Mm. as children of God. And I'm telling you, you guys, there are these pieces inside each and every one of us. Call it intuition, call it whatever you want or however you understand it. You know this stuff. You know this stuff on a cellular level because you're a child of God. That's right. And really, it comes down to agency that we love and we love to talk about, which is the, that opportunity that we each have to choose. And that's where President Nelson goes with this in asking those thoughtful questions to ask yourself, these self-reflective questions, because ultimately what he is suggesting is that when we let God prevail in our life, it makes decisions so much easier. We get more clear on the person we want to become. And he, one of the other important things that he brings up is that the only way we can survive spiritually is to let God prevail and to learn to hear him. Learning to hear him, meaning usually it's not going to be an audible voice. For some people it might be. For other people, it comes through music. Through other people, it comes through mo- movement, dance. For other people, it comes through service. Through other, for other people, it comes through the work that they do. The list is way too long to cover highlights here. What does it mean to you? I just want to hear, because I know what How it means I to me. Him. I'm just curious, like, what does hearing him mean to you? 
well, you can ask me last week and I'll have a different answer than I will now and next yeah. week mm-hmm. in this moment. Um, one way that I hear him and feel him is through connection. Mm. That's really increased in my life lately. And when I connect with somebody that I either know and love deeply or the stranger I met on the trail and I feel yeah. that human connection, I know that we are brothers and sisters. I hear him and I feel truth and I hear him speaking the truth. And that is one way. I mean, that's a whole separate episode. Truly, I could, Mm -hmm. I actually would love, that's something that we probably should do Mm -hmm. is have a whole episode about how we hear him. In fact, since you brought it up, may I point you guys to an episode of another podcast that did this so beautifully. The podcast is called Spiritually Minded Women. And it's by Darla Trindler, who has become our friend in recent, the recent last couple of years. She is amazing and um, very Christian based. And what's the episode, Beck? It is episode 91, How We Hear Him. Okay. You know what, guys? Just make it a priority. Write that down as an episode that in my history of listening to podcasts, and oh, I could say a lot of things. In my history of listening to other podcasts, and there's a lot of good ones, this specific episode of this specific podcast that Darla felt so inspired to do with a whole group of women through mm-hmm. Zoom from all over the place and from different backgrounds, and everyone spoke to the ways, the specific ways that they hear him, it is so inspiring. There were things that were brought up that I hadn't even thought about that totally are ways that I relate to. Yeah. And then there were other things brought up that I didn't connect to specifically because that's not the way that he reaches me, mm-hmm. but I was inspired to be better connected and better listening to those people who are reached in different ways. Right. It's so good. It, she's and amazing. we will link to that one as well. We will absolutely link to that one as well. I wanted to, one thing that I have learned with hearing him lately is I feel like when I have prayed to know things or to receive guidance an answer that I have gotten probably more than any other, particularly in the past year is you already know, trust yourself. Mm. And so beautiful, this act of learning to trust myself, trust what is inside of me, um, has helped me to hear him more because I have realized how much I already know and how much there is inside of myself to trust that comes from God. Mm-hmm. that it's that it's not something outside of myself it's something inside of myself well listen you're lucky you're very blessed i don't know that most people can say that they feel confident in that right mm-hmm. and so well confidence comes you know there's like a joke you never pray for patience because then you're going to be given opportunities <laughs> to be patient right? that confidence has come because of a lot of really hard things because that's how i that's how i learned and gained that and right. so right. those are the experiences i needed to have They were the experiences you need to have. And that was the feeling that you needed to have from him and Mm -hmm. how you needed to hear him. And because of all of that, I believe that that is keeping you from being myopic Mm -hmm. to circle back to what we're talking about at large here, because when we get too nearsighted and we lose sight of that bigger picture and we lose sight of our potential and what he already knows is inside of us, then we're just making decisions right in front of us. We're just in scrambling mode. Mm -hmm. We're in the hamster wheel. And that just doesn't serve us. It doesn't take us anywhere. The final principle to bring up is number 10 is just one thing. Now, this is the perfect way to round this out because 
raise your hand if you're feeling like, ah, this feels like a lot that I want to do better in my life. That's how I feel. But I also know Satan's tactics. (laughs) Satan's tactics. I know that he wants me to feel so overwhelmed that I'm like, "Ah." That you're paralyzed. That you're stuck. That you're diminished. None of these things are good. Right? Anytime, or, you don't want to feel this way. And come if you, on. You, you need to call it the crap out. Well, and sometimes he, he kind of plants that seed. Like, all of this is so good that there's no way that you'll ever get to all of this anyway. So, like, you know what? Just relax. Enjoy that complacent life because it's comfortable here. Right. Right? And I, I know better. And I know those thoughts he puts in my head. And so what I decide after every general conference is, okay, there's a lot of good stuff here. I've taken notes. I'm going to kind of package up the ones that I feel are most important. And then I want to take it to heavenly father. I want to ask him, what's the most important thing you want me to be thinking Mm -hmm. through and working on right now? Because he's a God of progress and he's a God of success and he wants me to progress and be successful. And I ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think you already know what are those one or two things? Are you talking about this specific conference? Correct. Yes, because they stood out to me in the moment. I felt there it. There it is. I felt it. And then you go to Heavenly Father and say, this is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Because I think he wants us to utilize the knowledge we already have, right? And the more you practice recognizing what you already know, the more you're going to see, the more you're going to feel, the more you're going to trust. And so if you already know those one or two things, and I asked Becky that because I know she already knows Pray to Heavenly Father and say, these are the two things I am feeling really impressed to be implementing in my life. Help me to understand how, how to do that. Mm-hmm. Or give me guidance and strength. Help me to be open so I can receive inspiration about how you need me to apply these in my life. Mm-hmm. Yep. But always recognize what you already know. Yeah. And you know what you just said was pretty much the words that came out of my mouth when I was praying out loud in the car driving to that hike the other day. Because that's exactly how I felt. Help mm-hmm. me to kind of now steer me, right? Because I have a desire to work on A, B, and C. And does this feel right to you? You know, because I did. Am I missing I, something? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's and that's what I was going to bring up is I also offered that as part of my prayers. Like, Absolutely. Hey, if I if I've missed something, like I'm an open I'm open with you. I he's my dad. He's my father in heaven. Like he really wants me to be happy and have peace. And so I want to ask him, I want to have that ongoing dialogue. Like I'm wide open. So even though I think I know what I felt and I think I know what is right for me right now in this season, if I miss something or something comes up tomorrow or next week, please don't let me ignore that because it didn't come to my mind during general conference. Mm -hmm. Now you have insight to the way I talk to him. (laughs) I love it. I talk to him just like that. That's exactly you guys. <laughs> what you should be doing is saying what is coming into your head. That is And the that way is it comes into your head yes. in your own language, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when it comes to just one thing, and that's what we encourage you to think about with this episode and the last one, with all of this that we are sharing and all, more importantly, that you're feeling, choose just the one thing. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't let Satan get in your head like this is too much, so don't worry about anything. So here's what I want to share that's directly from General Conference. Um, There was a talk on Saturday morning called Becoming Like Him, and it was Scott D. Whiting. And he says that focusing on strengthening one characteristic can be the tide that raises all boats in the harbor. Now, what does that make you think of? Our friend Natalie Norton. Well, it makes me think of how many times we've talked about how 
um, the with high it, tide raises all yes, ships with yeah. people, and that was with the first people, mm-hmm. right? And then, and that's that analogy has been brought up over and over. Like everyone understands the concept, but never before until Whiting brings it up. Never before did I think about how strengthening a characteristic inside of myself is the thing that raises that all boats in my own harbor. Right. What? Mm-hmm. That's so good. It's all good. It's all good. And I really appreciated that, um, that metaphor because it helps me. It's kind of like the example I gave earlier with having to work, work, work so hard to forgive and love and, you know, past hurts and set them aside and face people that I didn't think I was going to see again. That was hard and all of that because I overcame that one specific little moment in my life, but did so with great faith Mm -hmm. and lots of work and effort. And the Lord loves effort. All of my ships were rising. Mm -hmm. Everything else in my life was falling into place so much better than it had before. Yeah. Because little efforts matter. And like sister Craig says, you get to that place of alignment and it flows into every part of your life. It totally does. Um, so he continues with some other thoughts that I just want to summarize, pulling this straight out of my notebook, you guys, because I love to take notes on these talks. Resist the urge to feel like you need to make so much about you better. Yeah, of course, we're in a, we want self-improvement all the time, forever and always, keep going, keep progressing, keep moving forward, keep evolving. But resist the, the tempting thought to think that everything needs to be so much better. Because, well, hello, yeah, everything does need to be so much better because we're so far from perfect. But But it's not a completely different person. And I think that's where the delineation comes in is becoming Christ-like is not becoming something different than what you are. Mm -hmm. It's becoming more aligned with who you were created to be. Right. And who you have always been. Mm -hmm. And it's just coming back into alignment with that. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. It's the alignment. And then he also reminds us that we really are good as we are. And because we know that part of this life is to progress and to learn and to grow and evolve and become closer to our potential, or I'll say for many of us, we want to be more like our ultimate example, which is the Savior. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is perfect. He was perfect. He is perfect. And if we want to be more like him and closer to our own potential, then let's focus on just the one thing at a time. And let's see how that affects everything else. And just like we've brought up several times, ask God to help you. Ask him to help you to know how to focus on one thing. Because if you're like me, and I know I'm not alone in this, it's hard for me to only narrow it down to one thing because I know that I can be better about this in my business, this in my marriage, this as a mom, this in my community, this as a person looking for more connection with people. Like, I can easily overwhelm myself with thoughts like that, and that just will get me nowhere. So continually ask for God's assistance because he wants you to be successful, and he absolutely cares about the details of your life. 100%. Every single little detail. Nothing is too small. It all matters to him. That's right. And so could we just throw off all these boundaries? Could we stop thinking that God hates our humanity, that he hates the things that make us human and just realize that he literally created us in his image. He already knows how amazing you are and he wants more than anything for you to know that and to allow him to show you that. That's right. And so could we all just collectively do that? Because again, quickest way to change the world is to change how you feel about yourself because then you're going to interact with everyone else in a completely different way. Yep. I'm totally in. 
Me too. You're asking, can we? And I'm like, yeah, me. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I'm in. Do it. <laughs> and might I recommend that during this process that Heavenly Father, that you're asking Heavenly Father to show you who you are and how he feels about you. Can I recommend writing some of these things please down? Please do. Oh, so that you can reflect do. back to it when you're not feeling it and, and understand and remember the feelings and impressions that you were given. Yes, please. And thank you. You guys, let's recap. We're going to just go ahead and recap, not just this episode, but the last one, because we decided to do it in two parts because there was so much to share on each of these 10 things. So just a real quick from, from a list standpoint, number one, optimism, two, patience, three, see others deeply, four, unity and diversity are not opposites, five, love your enemies, six, the Lord loves effort, seven, create places of security. Eight, redouble your efforts to pray. Nine, be careful about being myopic. And 10, just one thing. And with that, we want to remind you that the show notes will include that list because we know that many of you are listening when you're not in a position to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will include links to all these talks. It'll be a hearty little capture of show notes, (laughs) which is also, it's always right there with the episode, by the way. So if you're listening, for example, in the podcast app on your iPhone, I know that it's literally right there with the, with the episode description. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we've said so much, so I don't want to take this further, but I just, I want to, um, I want you guys to know and feel how much we love you, how much we're cheering you on. That doesn't matter in comparison to the way God knows you, loves you, and is cheering you on. But I want you to feel that you're not alone. We are totally with you in that effort to always be trying to do our best to cultivate a good life. And we just want to thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you, as Becky just said, to write down those promptings and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on. And we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye.